just keep her through cars and a wishing well. Prayed for a love to call his own, a love to break the spell. Welcome to the Red Pill Buddhas podcast for red pilled Buddhas everywhere. Revolutionary, free thinking spiritual people who've woken up from the mainstream narrative on various levels. And I interview some of the most fascinating ones here. Please also visit thehumanunleashed.com for hundreds of hours of our video content on all areas of health, lifestyle, and much more. And theredpillrevolution.com for our five star reviewed book and subsequent publications in the Red Pill series as they come out. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the latest Red Pill Buddhas podcast. And um, I'm excited about this one because I've got tons of questions for this fascinating gentleman who I've got on here, Dr. Gareth Thomas. Now, a little while ago, um, our mutual friend, Dr. Jeremy Ayers, told me that he had this magical sort of wizard of a dentist and uh, so many interesting things he does. So he said, I have to get him on the show. So here he is. And, and just to set people up, I'm going to read this little bio that Gareth sent me. So Dr. Gareth Thomas has been assisting people to understand the effects that drugs have on the, on the human subtle energies and their relationship to consciousness for over 20 years, helping people regain a sense of self, daily awareness and purpose. He's a subtle energy medicine specialist and tutor, bark flower remedy practitioner and stress therapist. He's also studied traditional Thai massage, acupressure, and has a foundational understanding in transpersonal psychotherapy. <laughs> he runs his own subtle energy medicine school and subtle energy medicine healing practice known as Energy Medicine International. And the links to this and the next one will be down below in the show notes <clears throat> and offers stress therapy through another organization called MindEase. Is it MindEase or MindEasy? MindEase. Oh, MindEasy sounds quite nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> so he chairs the Federation of Subtle Energy Medicine, an umbrella for schools and practitioners. He's been a practitioner of meditation and inner work for the last 25 years. He's also a practicing dentist of over 30 years experience. He's presently running short workshops and one-to-one -one sessions, helping people to recover from the unwanted effects of drug use on the human subtle energies. So, Gareth, that's some fascinating stuff to get into. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Phil. <laughs> You're so welcome. Now, uh, what I just wanted to start off with to, to, to get an idea is what, what happened in your early life? What got you into this sort of interest in, in, uh, in kind of areas? Um, I, I mean, I've, I've always had a, an interest in health, yeah. And when I say health, it's a, it's a very broad term. Um, I, I think health is, you know, a complete subject on its own we could talk about, but I've always had an interest in health and always had an interest in mind, thought, from, uh, probably from teenage years. Um, but my direction went into dentistry initially, and I got into um, the idea of going to train uh, uh, as a surgeon after I, I qualified as de in dentistry in head and neck surgery. That's the, the area I wanted to go into. And so I worked a couple of years in uh, some units that did head and neck cancer. And um, I got quite quickly disillusioned 
um, because I think that um, what happened to me was that I, I saw that conventional medicine is so based around physical, physical um, fixing. So if something is diseased, you cut it out. Um, if something is um, symptomatic, you try and suppress the symptom. So rather than going back to study medicine, which is what I'd have to have done to, to go down that route of, uh, of a surgical uh, career in head and neck surgery, I just took, I took a year out. I thought, I've got to go. I've always wanted to go and uh, travel. Um, uh, and Australia was an area I, I really found um, quite fascinating. I thought, I'll, you know, I've always wanted to go there. Let's go there. I went there. And within that period of time, I, um, shall I say that um, I, I probably got into the idea of um, experimenting with drug use. And actually, that, that was a, a period of life which I actually got quite heavily into addiction, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm totally honest. And um, it was interesting because what, what happened was that this idea of um, being so focused on the physical quickly changed into starting to think, well, there's a lot more to a person than just a, a physical body, like a lump of meat. You know, we've got emotions, we've got thoughts, and we've got um, a spiritual nature to us. And I mean, I, I remember um, uh, not only in Australia, but when I traveled through Thailand, um, I met a very interesting guy, actually. Um, he, he taught me, um, traditional Thai massage and um, acupressure. And he was like a, a Buddhist monk. And I remember I went for a, a run with him one day. And I thought I was quite fit because I grew up in Wales. I, I played rugby, I played football, I trained a lot. And while I was running, he just said, just stop for a moment. And he checked a few, few areas of um, meridians. And he said to me, he said, if you don't do something to change your direction, you can have really serious problems in your life. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, for one, your, your heart meridian is not uh, functioning well, which suggests you've got a lot of issues centered around the heart. Now, to me, that didn't really mean much at that point in time, but it did strike me because he took me and, uh, he said, look, let me teach you some basic meditation techniques. And it was quite interesting because he took me down to the water side and started some very simple breathwork techniques. And the idea of listening to the ocean, moving in and out. And he just said to me, look, your mind is like that. It's constantly moving in and out. And it was a moment of realization, a very brief moment of realization. And from that day, I just continued to meditate every day because I just found it so expansive. Um, but that then led me on to the idea of, um, you know, uh, I've got to sort some of the things out that he's talking about. I can't just disappear into a world of, 
of meditation and spirituality and, and avoid my issues. So that just took me on this different pathway away from the conventional, more into the unconventional. Um, and I mean, I've never really looked back on that. I found the unconventional um, more interesting, uh, explains a lot more in relation to uh, what causes you know, disease and what causes problems in people's life. And, you know, and also, um, you know, trying to find meaning in your, in your life's path as such. So that, that was my like introduction into that side of things. And I think that the, the brief period that I did explore with mind altering substances that did um, probably forcibly uh, expand my awareness. Um, but then I realized over time that some of that expansion, um, when I came back to the Western world, didn't really serve me very well. So then I, I got into how do I, how do I reverse some of these um, issues so that I get some normality back, you know, but still continuing to live in a, in a more unconventional way. So that was my, my real introduction into it, you know. No, that's fascinating. And as you're talking there, I mean, it, it, it's so many parallels to, to, to my own story, but, um, I, I never went into the sort of healing side of it. Uh, well, so, so well as you did, I don't think, because it was 1979. It was from nearer to where you originated. And I was in a, a, a little caravan in Borth in Wales, just north of Aberystwyth. Mm. And we're right in the middle of all the, all the mushroom fields. And I spent an autumn there doing heroic doses of psilocybin, having sort of discovered LSD at the festivals where I used to travel and live in buses and teepees and whatever. And um, it, it, it really blew my, my consciousness apart. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had some amazing realizations from it, but also I think there are points where there's, uh, uh, you, you have a bad trip and then from then on it's kind of teetering and that's almost more dangerous as far as, as, far as I felt. Yeah. Where you're sort of thinking, or oh, am I going to freak out any minute? Am I going to go down the abyss? And mm. for years afterwards, probably for a couple of years, really acutely, I had proper sort of um, uh, acid, sort of, well, psilocybin-based um, psychosis. I'd wake up every morning going, ah, oh, look, it's, it's gone. And then suddenly the walls would start melting and mm. the fear would set in. And there was that cycle of fear of fear. And I mean, we've been doing ridiculous doses, like sort of up to 900 mushrooms a day and, and it, never letting any trip stabilize in between. Yeah. And I, I just wish I could have got my sort of uh, 19, 18, 19 year old self forward in time to Dr. Gareth <laughs> and say, listen, help me out. Because I think I, I did a talk, I'll link that below as well with Gareth stuff. I did a talk at New Horizons about what I think might have even been at the root of autoimmunity when I got hit by uh, autoimmunity in 2010 really severely. And a lot of it was almost um, a resistance to awakenings, a fear of, of expanding the consciousness and allowing it to go there naturally. Mm. A lot of it stabilized when I had to heal myself from that and I ended up having good animal fats and that does tend to calm down the, the freak outs. You know, as a, a friend of mine, Chris B, who I did the last episode with, um, says, you know, among the gurus, he wonders if a lot of it is enlightenment or if it's just malnutrition. And that kind of <laughs> amused me. Um, 
but but you know i'm doing a bit of waffling here and i won't do so much later on but i just had no, so waffle away it's fine I, I had so many ideas when 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 i looked at all your stuff and wanted to ask you so much but i can't i've sort of fallen into a big bunch of questions right now because that talk i did in new horizons was was about the resistance to awakening and then something happened to me in 2006 where I had that awakening that I wanted. And since then, none of that drug stuff has ever been a problem. Mm -hmm. But before that, trying to stabilize it, even when it was stabilized on land, I would go up in an airplane and the whole flashbacks would come back, even like 25, 30 years later, and I couldn't even fly in an airplane. Mm -hmm. And I think I lost a lot of time. I, I was looking at um, the, the, the things that you have on your website about the, the sort of symptoms of the issues that have happened to people and the things that you might feel sort of disassociation drifting around uh, you know stress and fear and, and and all these sort of things holding you back and so there's a huge mess of questions in there really but you know what are you seeing among people and and how are you managing to bring them back from these states of disrepair that happen although great benefits from hallucinogenics that we see there are also a lot of casualties out there yeah i i think i'd explain it uh in a way that you know, we we as as beings or humans live in a sea of, of energy. So consciousness is is a sea of energy, and it's it's there on many different vibrational levels of thought, emotion, and experience. And when you take a um, a mind altering sub substance, that has a an effect of opening you to planes of experience that are otherwise not open to you um, and it almost is like forcing doorways open so you force a doorway open you get these ins these flashes of inspiration or, or awareness and when the drug wears off you don't have a real basis for how you got there there's no real foundational understanding. Now, that's from a more psychological viewpoint. So there's no basic foundational understanding how you go through a process to experience some wisdom. So for, give an example, you talk about a disease. You get ill. That's a, that's a sign of your body saying, you need to change some things here. And okay, if you make those changes emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, and you get well, you get some wisdom and insight from that. There's a process to it. But the thing when people take, um, especially mind altering drugs, like the you know mushrooms, LSD, that sort of thing, it expands your awareness very rapidly. So when that drug starts to wear off, those conscious doorways are slightly still open. So if you look at it from a subtle non-physical non energy um, basis, which is the area I, I um, have worked in for the last, well, over 20 years. So there are certain energy centers that relate to wisdom and they, they are particularly, you know, at the top part body here and the top crown and they relate to wisdom. So when you blow those open and you come back down energetically, they still have an imprint of memory. So you get this, this sense of, um, you get an insight, you can't really understand how you got it and you can't really integrate it into daily life. Now, 
I'm not saying that experiences like that don't shift people's direction. They do. But my my idea is is that is there a way of um, uh, reaching those insights naturally? Yeah. And you know, okay, people meditate a lot. People do spiritual practices a lot. That's that's not the only way people can can reach a, an awareness or a, an awakening in their life. And then you have to question is what is an, an, an awakening? Um, and I mean, you probably get so many different uh, opinions on it. For me, an awakening is um, a realization <clears throat> that uh, th there is a purpose to my existence here. And my purpose is, is not um, something that another person has control over. It's a purpose that is probably driven by a more intelligent part of myself that has, is probably of the higher part of the mind rather than the personality. So I think that um, my, my focus is that, you know, there are lots of people who've experimented and that they do that for a number of reasons. I think they can be, you know, people use as a coping mechanism, they can have pretty horrible lives. Um, they might have suffered, you know, um, trauma and they self-medicate to deal with that. It might be that they look at the world and say, you know, I don't really feel part of this world. It's, it's quite a cruel world we live in. And they, they want to not live in that world. So they put their mind somewhere else, you know. So there's lots of different reasons why people do it. And there's lots of ways people awaken. And it's, it's whether you take that awakening and, and shift it into a positive place. Because I know there's lots of people um, who do have awakenings through taking uh, mind-oncoded substances. And they're... they're they remain in a place that's um, illusional. And I know that because I've experienced it myself, you know, and that's one of the reasons why um, uh, some of the simple techniques I use have, have helped me regain, um, you know, control over my consciousness in a way. So I'm not, I'm not spaced out. I'm not trying desperately to create things and it never happens, having wonderful ideas, nothing ever happens, feeling oversensitive to the world, oversensitive to people's emotions, thoughts, you know, feeling, um, like you say, like you're, you're partially in and out of this physical and non-physical level of consciousness and awareness. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, I, I, that's, that's, the basis I come from is trying to, you know, help people restructure things, restructure their subtle energy system so that if they do that, then it's mirrored in everyday life. They get a bit more normality back, whatever normality is for them. You know? Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I um, quite often after some kind of awakening, for me, it was more of a, a sort of the, the absolute understanding that we're all one and how things work together. And it was just there in the moment. And it was like, there was no bliss. There was no fireworks. There was no <laughs> anything like that. And I think a lot of time meditators are taught to look for uh, fireworks and, and some kind of dramatic event. And it's actually a real simplicity. Mm -hmm. I think that type of awakening of realizing where you are in the world and how everything relates to you. 
Um, and I think it's it's perhaps even more so with people who have done um, lots of uh, hallucinogenics because you do get very flashy experiences. So you're sort of half conditioned to look for really flashy experiences in an awakening and often you miss them. And I find that among my sort of meditating friends who are always looking for this bliss and looking for this and looking for that and just not realizing the magic that's right there. And they end up sort of going down all these routes of you have to have this new technique. You have to have your mantra changed. You have to, you know, in, in the TM movement, you have to do the city course with the flying. You need this Ayurvedic medicine. You need that. Where really, I, I think you just need complete surrender and a plate full of meat. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of as, as simple as that, really. But, but realizing that, like a question I had for you, though, something that fascinated me was I took these, these, these hallucinogenics and ended up, you know, in a totally altered state for well after I took them, mm-hmm. you know, flashbacks and all kinds of things. What do you think there is in the makeup of a person that that causes that? Or some people who I know would just take vast quantities of acid, go down to the pub, behave normally, and then go home and go to bed and nothing happened. And to, these, and to this day, they're absolutely fine. Well, not what I would say would be absolutely fine, because some of them are the ones who have kind of swallowed the whole present narrative and stuff. So it didn't seem to open those doors. What's the difference in a person's sort of mental, or physical or spiritual makeup that causes them to either be affected by that greatly or, or almost not at all, some people? Um. We all we all have different experiences. We come into the world, um, and we come into the world, and and we have patterns of thought, emotion, behavior imprinted on us by our parents, by our society, by our country, by our nation, by our by everything. Yeah, and. Um, I think some people come into the world and uh, have, you know, lessons that relate to um, learning about money. Some people come in, they have a lesson they need to learn about um, law. Everyone's different. And some people come in and they, they need to learn about spirituality. <clears throat> I think it's all valid. You know, uh, to make a society work, we, we have to have all different types of people um, working uh, in, a, in a way that's creative for themselves, you know. Um, so I think it's different for people have different life paths. And um, I, I think for myself, I can only really speak for myself. Um, I think that brief period I had is part of was part of my life path right because i've experienced something it moved me into a different place which has helped me greatly um and uh i've made meaning out of it it's meant something now does that mean if i had my time again would i do the same thing i probably wouldn't yeah but then you have to say to yourself okay well if you don't want people to experience some of that, because you know as well as I do, when, when you're in those states of mind, you get moments where you think, I'm actually going to lose my mind here at this point, you know, and that's quite a scary place to be in, I think, you know. Um, so, you know, if I can shed light on prevention for people, 
you know, it, and talking about, you know, people meditating. And I think, I think that with, with the movement, you know, spiritual movement, new age movement, whatever you want to call it, the, there's a real risk of just hiding in spirituality. Yeah, so you, 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 everything is spiritual. You can't have any reaction to anything. You can't say something's wrong. You can't say a bad thing. You can't do this. You can't. And that's not reality because we all hold inside us difficult things we've experienced. Yeah. So from my work uh, in energy work on uh, inner development, I've had to look at some of my unpleasant issues you know do do i have an anger issue do i have um could could i you know do the worst to someone in a certain situation and if we're all honest all humans have that in them to a certain degree and i think what happens is that when people move into that place of spiritual awakening or they want to try and maintain that constantly and it's not possible because Okay, if you go and decide to live in the middle of nowhere and there's no challenges around, you can maintain that um, level of awareness um, probably quite well. But, you know, we live in a world where um, there is, you know, ourselves, we live in the Western world. So if I, at one stage at home think oh my my goodness i feel so good so peaceful today and i live on that level of peace and serenity and then i go to you know the the local sort of shop and somebody bumps into me and they they really piss me off and i can't maintain that level of of you know serenity <clears throat> that's okay you know um, but if I go, oh, you know, I, I'm so, you know, not angry, it suppresses it, pushes it down. And I, I don't think that's a healthy thing. That actually leads to, you know, diseased states, I think. I think it's important to acknowledge that, that sort of shadow side, you know. And so all those repressed feelings, they're important to come out and, and experience them and integrate them into who you are it doesn't mean you go off and live them and be really a horrible person to someone but acknowledge that if something makes you annoyed you know that's okay and <clears throat> if something makes you angry you know rather than hitting someone you can express it you know you go oh, that makes me angry and this is the reason why and having that freedom to speak how you feel because you know being able to speak how you feel is really important. That that that's that for me is it's centered in reality, being in in reality, being present. How do I feel about this? How do I express it? And you know, um, is it appropriate to express this now, or is it appropriate to just feel it, let it come and go? But I think the idea of um, sort of hiding in in a, a a sort of uh, a semi-enlightened state um, and I say this through experience because I did for a period uh, go for for some uh, transpersonal psychotherapy 
And there's a number of people in that field who, who call it spiritual bypass. Yeah. So people, you know, they're not wanting to deal with the difficult issues. And I can understand why, because some, some things people have experienced are really difficult, you know. They're really difficult and they're hard to process, you know. But I think the more people could talk about that, it normalizes it. And then people, you know, open up more about it. And I, I think people actually could get, you talk about awakening experiences, they get awakening experiences when they actually allow things to come out, release, let go of, be healed in a way. Because healing is a natural thing. Nature is, is there and it heals itself constantly. And we're in that, we are nature. You know, we need, it's another thing, we need to stop separating ourselves from nature. We're not human beings here and that's nature. We are an integral part of it, you know. And nature is made up of um, emotions and thoughts itself, you know, and we're part of that. That's why when you go walk in nature, you feel a lot better because you connect into those energies without you realizing that you're walking in it, you know. So yeah, I think um, uh, I think having a, a real sense of um, uh, awareness around our own difficult uh, qualities is really important if we're to progress as as people, you know. I, I totally agree with that. It was it was it was funny in my um, time when I was really sick around 2010. I was totally focusing on the diet because I got everything wrong all of my life, sort of writing these books on Ayurveda and plant-based medicine, and all, of, all of that plant-based eating rather. And um, then I kind of started to figure that out. And a friend of mine um, said to me, have you done any emotional work? You know, a lot of it's connected to emotions. And I thought, how dare you? You know, I've, I'm a great yogi. I, I've been sitting in Lotus for three hours a day for the last 20 years. I know all about that. And I didn't. It was very arrogant. And I started to realize how much spiritual bypassing I was doing. I thought, you know, this working on emotions, EFT, Byron Katie stuff, whatever it is you're attracted to. This is just for people of, you know, housewives who watch afternoon yeah, TV. But, you know, Phil, what's happened over the years, if you look at the, the roots of lots of spiritual disciplines, they don't say avoid your shadow side. And what's happened is this distortion that has moved away from it. Whereas if you look at, you know, lots of ancestral, ancient wisdom, it's always about taking the light and the dark, bringing them together, integrating it and following a middle, middle road where you integrate the shadow with the light, you know, and not try and go one way and not obviously try and go the other way. It's finding that, that alchemy between the two, you know. Totally. And that's that's what I had to find. It was huge in my healing, just as much as sort of figuring out that, um, you know, grains and seed oils had ripped my guts to bits. It was it was finding out this this amazing work that you can do where you find out what's going wrong in the body, how it relates to different types of emotions and stuff. It was an amazing uh, time of growth for me of learning about myself and stabilizing what had happened. Um, and, is and, there, and, is uh, there, and I don't want to seem egocentric. Right. But is there anything more interesting in finding things out about yourself? Oh, who, who needs a detective novel or, or film when you've got that going on? 
It's fantastic. You know, this is why, you know, in this carnivore Facebook group I've got, it's carnivore and beyond because everybody just focuses on the meat and all of that and what we're supposed to be. It's so simple. Mm. But but then to go into the emotions and and, and where everybody really is different and has a different healing path, <clears throat> that's where the fascinating stuff really comes in, where the detective work comes in. It's very easy to explain to somebody how they might have damaged themselves with, you know, pollutants, EMFs, light and and, and, and food and whatever. But then when you see that, I mean, and then you get into the emotions and then you have to, I see a lot of spiritual people doing this bypassing thing. I mean, for decade after decade, and, and they become very snowflakey. They can't deal with anything. They can't, you know, if somebody gets a gun out on a TV program or something, they have to run away and go, oh, that's so unsatvic. That's so evil, you know, and they just become not even uh, 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 strong enough to live in this world properly. I think there's a lovely quote from Jem Jeff Foster, one of the sort of non-dual teachers, and I'll probably butcher it, but he says basically, just accept everything. But if you really can't accept something, accept that as well. <laughs> and I think that's been pretty useful for me because especially in the times of being really sick, where you're in terrible pain and whatever, you have to have some way of um, having that kind of at, at a distance, if you like, not so much at, at, a, at a distance because you're, you're, you're involved in it, you don't want to disassociate, but um, having, having a calm place to look at that from an acceptance and say, what is this illness bringing me? You know, what, what can I learn from it instead of resisting it all the time? And, and this came up with the, with the awakening that I had in 2006, where I had from then on the ability to be extremely angry, extremely frightened, extremely anything. But then it's just like a wave. Like you say, you know, there's the ocean. It's going in and out. And that happens all the time. And it's just right. OK, I'm angry now. I might even punch a door. What the hell? It doesn't matter. And then five minutes later, you've let it go. And you become sort of it's it, to me, I think the important thing is not to look for all this bliss and these huge experiences when people are sort of meditating and doing it naturally, but to look for what I like to think of as the canvas upon which the, 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 the experiences are painted, you know, your absolute essential nature through it. And then from then on, you can see that things are not quite so important as, as they seem. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I one of the points you, you, you talked about which resonates with me strongly is um you know and I'll, I'll probably start here and then hopefully i'll remember the last part of what you're talking about but um uh you know learning from disease um and people if you you know if i think about my own disease processes right that have come and gone ailments that i've had um I always remember, you know, I, I, I might think, oh, I need to change something in my life. I go, oh, I'll, I'll do tomorrow. And then the thought gets stronger. I go, oh, you know, it's six months, a year down the line. I go, oh, I'm, you know, still avoid avoidance of change, right? And then it starts to hit more emotionally. You know, things that affect you around your, your behavior and you start to limit yourself. And... <clears throat> You think, oh, you know, maybe I should, you know, experience something different to what, what I, I consider I'm doing and step outside of my comfort zone slightly, right? So that, that part of you, whether you call it, you know, a wiser part of you, a higher self part of you, whatever, is saying, look, 
you need to change. Life can't be the same all the way through. It can't be just one line of the same thing because there's no point to that. That's not evolving in any way. So, you know, if you think that, that what you can guarantee, one of the guarantees in life that you can rely on is that change will happen, you know. You can't guarantee things stay the same. It's always change. And I think what happens is people get these insights of they need to change and they don't and things go down the road and then the last manifestation is physical so they get or it can affect them mentally or emotionally but you get this physical manifestation of disease because they they're not in tune with that higher part of themselves that's saying look you need to shift your direction in life to evolve and they get unwell and i think that people um, find different ways out. Either they look for a reason of how to heal themselves and it adds to their evolution, or they don't, you know, and people do perish from disease still, you know. And I mean, I always think that one of the one of one of the great studies in conventional medicine would be people who have um you know, chronic or really serious illness, um, who get treated with conventional medicine, who get well, who come out of it, um, it would be good to talk to those people and say, look, yeah, we, we've seen you've taken conventional medicine and you've got well. Did you make any changes in the way you thought, how you felt? what direction you've taken in life did you change your job did you change a relationship did you what changes did you make on an unconventional level you know and i i we i my feeling is is that um with disease we we we're at the beginning of something really quite exciting you know because what I see in the world is so many different people involved in explaining disease in many different ways. And really, there's no reason why people shouldn't be coming together so that individuals, you know, if they choose um, to do so, to empower themselves, they can't find something that, that helps them move through that disease. It's not fixing it. You move through it. It's a pattern. You move through it. You do things to change. You might eat differently. You might exercise. You might get into some practice. If you're into convention, you might take that as well. But it's finding something that helps you move through it and learn from it. And it teaches you something. You know, and then once you've your body is you've taught yourself something or the universe has taught you something you move and evolve through it and all the people i know who move through and evolve they they get better you know um and um i mean i'm hopeful that we, we're moving into a place that is is more expansive with regards to disease and health and what does that mean what does health really mean you know i always i always people brandish around or oh, healthcare, being healthy. What does it really mean? I mean, it's different for different people. And, you know, there's many different levels to it. Physical health, emotional, mental health, spiritual or behavioral health, 
what makes you tick? You know, what makes you happy? Things have become so overcomplicated. You know, we overcomplicated, distorted, and to find some um, some sort of strand of truth for yourself is quite difficult. You know, I think in the world is so confusing. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful. I think that we're moving into a new a new era of healthcare. I do. Um, which is, you know, um, give a hundred years will be pretty amazing, you know. I agree. People are losing um, faith a lot in the, um, you know, the Rockefeller disease management business model and, and coming to these other things. And it's just sort of letting these things distill down into, into, into what actually works and what doesn't. And I think, you know, the sort of ancestral model is quite useful really to say you know what did we do all those years ago when we were healthy and happy you look at the tribes who are you know uh, uh, eating the right thing they're out in the sun they understand nature they're whatever you you look at them they're just smiling and laughing all the time you yeah. see sort of documentaries on them and they're, they're just very very happy people um and i think they catch these things earlier like i've often said you you know if they have a sort of disturbing dream they might go to the shaman and, and discuss it but imagine doing that with your doctor you know, and saying it just goes, you just go away and come back when you when your legs fallen off or something because I can't deal with that. Yeah. And 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 what I say to people if they come, the clients who come to me, because I remember the 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 point of going in for diagnosis, if you like, you know, with with some rheumatologist, and they said, well, you know, your joints are, are really inflamed; they're going to damage themselves. It, it's just going to progress, but we might halt it a bit. You'll be have to take these pills for the rest of your life, and this is not curable. I mean, you come out of there feeling absolutely hideous. I knew I'd find a way out. I just didn't know what it was then. And I knew I was sort of thinking, right, fuck you. You know, I, I don't want to come back and see you again. I did a few more times. But instead of that, when people come to me, it's like, this is exciting. You know, you're in pain at the moment, but you're going to go on a journey here on all levels. And you're going to come out the other side, not only with your pain fixed, more than likely, but you're going to learn so much about yourself and about the about the world and how it works and the human body to pass down to your kids and stuff. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to see your healing. And there's a totally different attitude then just to give somebody that that feeling. And what you say is absolutely right. Just a change in perspective, a change in thinking. How many times have we heard of people who get diagnosed with terminal cancer, buy a, a motorhome and go off traveling and saying, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to enjoy myself. And then they go off you know, and years later, they're absolutely fine because, because you know, they've, they've completely I've, rearranged everything. I've got a really good example of that. And uh, I mean, I you, you mentioned in the in the bio that, that I'm a back flower practitioner. Now, Edward Back was a really interesting guy. He was a medical doctor. He worked in Harley Street. And um, it was a point in his career, he just thought, um, this just doesn't seem right. We, we, we're treating signs and symptoms with people and we're not focusing on the causation, how people think, how people feel. Um, and he, he um, started getting interested in uh, the homeopathic side of things, you know, small vibration of, of a, a, a particular um, substance or, um, but he, he took it a little bit further and he started probably looking into the more consciousness level of, what plants, what, and this sort of ties in a little bit with how plants affect the mind, right? Because nature is consciousness. Plants have an energy of consciousness. 
And he started thinking, well, if they have that, surely nature has an answer to every thought, emotion, has, has a cure for it, you know? So if we feel hopeless, is there a flower that can change that around? And he was, um, and I don't know whether it's true, but I wonder whether he um, was, it, it, you know, was, I'm in an R in about something. He got an interest in something. He got really into it. He's struggling with that idea of, you know, oh, I'm a medical doctor. I'm conventional, but I've got these unconventional thoughts, right? And he's like, oh, what do I do, right? But then he gets diagnosed with cancer. And he's given, uh, I think it's six to 12 months to live, right? So he just decides, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm leaving my practice in London. I'm going to, um, he actually went to Wales, a place called Krakawa, where his grandparents lived initially. And he worked in some other places. Mount Vernon was another place. But he, he went and he actually took what he thought was his um, suitcase, which he packed with his clothes, right? When he got there and opened the suitcase, he brought a suitcase, which was just full of shoes, right? And he was like, oh my God, I brought the wrong suitcase. But he brought the absolute right suitcase because he spent all his time walking around in nature, looking at the plants. And he must have gone through most or probably all of those negative conditions within relation to his disease, right? So what he did, he, he used his disease as a mirror of maybe what the plant felt resonant with what he was feeling. And he, he lived, you know, another 15 years. And as soon as he discovered the whole system of 38 remedies, not long after he, he died, right? So for me, that's like, oh, that's his mission. He's found his, his mission. He's healed himself. And once it's done, it's like, oh, well, there's no much, not much point me being around anymore. I've done what I needed to do. And his idea was if every family could have a box of flower remedies, they would um, prevent disease. Yeah. And, and I think that's a mindset that still exists in conventional healthcare. But it's become so, so difficult to be that within that system. So people who go into that have a, a healing nature, you know, and it's not evolving, you know, and that, that's a problem, you know, that's a problem for just people in general, you know, an evolving system. So I always liken it to, um, you know, I think there's a place for all types of healthcare. So if I, I think I said to you recently, if I broke my leg, I'd be down A&E, getting it fixed, getting it set, maybe getting some painkillers for it, right, for that period. But what I would do after is look at what caused that, What's, what series of events were around me at the time that caused that, and do I need to learn from it? so that I can prevent that happening again, or do I need to move in a certain different direction? So it's, it's a different mindset. It's, it's looking at what happens to you as a, as a signal to make change in your life, you know? And I think disease is, is, a, is a big one.
um, that's a big thing. And if we, if people could start to, you know, talk more about disease, talk more about death, talk more about all those things that are not talked about, you know, norm, normalize talking about them, and things would change quite quite rapidly. You know, I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the problems come now from a, a fear of death, a fear of not only of death but of. Um, the death of anything else, not understanding the cycle of life and, um, and, and and trying to distance oneself from it. You know, the whole sort of vegan movement, it seems to be a terror of death on all levels and uh, lot, lots of other, lots all fears are rooted in death, really. But um, yeah, did the, like, like you say, we, we have a path in life. I love the Donald Shimoda thing, wasn't it, from Illusions, Richard Bach, where he goes mm. something like, well, you know, how do you tell if, you're, if, you're time, if you're, your path is, is fulfilled and you've fulfilled your destiny? Well, you know, if you're still here, you haven't. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it's as, it's as simple as that, really. I mean, one, one thing I wanted to, um, to, to ask you about, when, what do you think um uh, when when people take these trips and have these huge experiences on hallucinogenics this is something i've always uh, uh, puzzled about and I, i'm sort of open to it actually being a combination of everything but do you think you know, we're slipping into other realms do you think we're getting a peek into other dimensions do you think we're uh, this is just our subconscious or memories or, or, or sort of uh, illustrated with cartoons what's happening there like, for example, one one day I, I, you know, I think I mentioned this before in other interviews, but I was traveling um, in Switzerland, probably in the mid 80s, hitching around. And I'd met this girl, as you do when you're traveling around. And we camped out on this uh, hill just out Sela outside Seelisberg in Switzerland. And it was a little kind of ring of trees, almost like a stone circle, but trees on the top of this hill. And there were um there was a, an electric storm but a dry one there was no rain there was just an electric storm and it was a, a, a weird feeling you know the whole atmosphere was weird like there was almost a crack between the worlds and we started to see these branches moving that were low down to the ground and then we could see a little figure and it was pulling the branches and then as we looked more and more we could see more and more i don't know what opened up we hadn't taken anything actually this time um and 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 there was a little little beings and some of them sort of human form some not some appeared to to, to, to have um, uh, obey the same ground level. Some didn't, some seemed to see each other and some didn't, you know, and all at the center of it was this little, little imp kind of creature pulling this, this branch. It was definitely looking at us and going, here I am. But I, and it only lasted maybe 20 minutes or whatever, never anything before or since, apart from, of course, experiences like that that you have all the time on, on hallucinogenics. But what do you think is happening there with the hallucinogenics? Is it opening something between the world or is it just opening up our dream states? I think it, um, it, uh, it gives you um, a heightened awareness of another plane of energy. And um, I think the physical world is quite small compared to the energy worlds. I mean, the energy world is, is vast, it's infinite. And... Um, I mean, I always look at um, nature and, you know, talking about ancestral aspects, you know, our ancestors were aware you only have to go to Ireland and talk to people about their idea about nature and the energies behind it. And, um, you know, I think that energies exist on different planes and I don't think life is just a physical thing. There are 
um, forms of life that exist on energy planes, especially in nature. Um, and whether you call them guardians or elements or um, uh, energies that look after certain things, I think they, yeah, I think they exist. I think they do exist. And I think what happens is that people get, you know, they take a, a substance and it opens their um, awareness to different planes. And I mean, in, in energy work, um, one of the, you know, you, you talk about different planes, a very common one for people to be interested in is the astral plane. You know, people talk about the astral plane, which is really, um, you know, where the emotions and thoughts sit. Um, and the thing with the astral plane is that you, you know, you've got a higher end of it where there's lots of beauty, lots of um, uh, wonderful um, energies. And then you've got the lower end, which are not so nice. So I think that, you know, when you talk about a bad experience, I think sometimes people open themselves up to energies that um, are of a, a lower nature, you know, and they see that, you know. But also, I mean, I think, you know, you talk about the unconscious, um, although on a conventional sense, people call the unconscious, you know, a part of the brain, physical brain. Um, I, I think I agree more with our ancestors that it's a, it's an energy. It's a big place. Your own unconscious is, is a, is an energetic place. Um, and that's your, you've got your personal unconscious, uh, and then you've got the collective. Um, and I think when people open themselves up, they, they expand sometimes beyond their own unconscious or they see their unconscious more clearly and some of the difficulties held in there. Um, because the unconscious doesn't choose what it stores. You know, it doesn't say, oh, that's, that's a good experience or that's a bad experience. It stores everything, you know. Um, and then that's why, you know, um, I think when people use um, substances that open them up to things, they, they get a glimpse of different, planes of energy you know and that's why if you look at the shamanic traditions you had a shaman to guide you because they they knew they knew where where somebody would be you know if somebody's traveling in an energetic sense in a plane of existence you know and the shaman knew, knows where they are they're more likely to be able to do the right things to guide that person you know and i mean shamanism is a um it's a big subject it's a massive um there's a massive resurgence and in interest in it um i'm not sure how um how well people are trained i mean from my understanding a shaman is somebody who is you know born into it there's a tradition a tribal tradition that runs through you know a family or family member an ancestor is, has been shamanic and this it's like a it's it's a lineage you know it's the lineage and then people are born with it rather than okay they have to fine-tune their ability they have to learn the craft but they they are it already you know so they 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 don't decide oh i'm going to become this 
and learn it left brain it's one thing learning something left brain and having all the intellectual knowledge around it but it's another thing actually being it having the knowledge but, but actually being a, a shaman you know um that's different i think you know and um i don't know i mean i think some people go away and they they have experiences and some of them are good some of them aren't and i, I think that depends on your guide while you're doing it and um, i'm not sure how many good ones are out there um i think because yeah, i mean lots of people um with stresses on you know tribal cultures um if you know a load of westerners come to have experiences and they're paying for it um it's a temptation to you know say that you are something and you're not and i think that does happen it's like any anywhere i mean i i don't think that um any part of culture whether it's tribal or western or you know eastern or whatever it, it all has good and bad they're, they're good people and there are people i say bad people but there are people who will decide rather than you know say hey i don't know about this this is not my thing i'll find something that is my thing they they'd rather because of money or circumstances um you know um say that they they can help someone you know and that that does happen you know unfortunately yeah definitely I, I i could i could really have done with a guide back in the day when i was taking all that stuff on my own every single day i mean i i you you mentioned about uh connecting with bad energies as well and i mean my first experience i remember taking enormous amounts of lsd at reading festival probably 1979 and it was heaven absolute bliss the whole thing and then I thought, right, this is for me, you know, this is marvelous. And so I, I took another load and I remember sitting there at a friend's house in Windsor and I had my drum kit set up there as well. I was kind of half living there and I was playing just really quietly with beaters, soft beaters around the kit. And it was beautiful. And then the dog came in, this collie dog. And uh, it was a very chilled out dog usually. And, and I thought, wow, look at the dog. It's just sitting there looking at me. And so I got down, sat in front of the dog and I was just stroking the dog, becoming the dog. and then something happened outside i don't know what it was there was some weird noise the dog freaked i've never seen a dog freak like that and i disappeared down the plug hole with that dog because i was so connected to it and i felt everything that it felt and what the hell is that outside there was something very weird and the rest of the trip was absolute pure hell the only pure hell trip i've ever had really the others were sort of teetering and then you know just stupid i got through it and whatever but then in the morning, I, I, I decided, right, I haven't slept all night. So what I better do is take another tab of acid and go to work. <laughs> so, honestly, I had no, no limits on it. It's ridiculous abuse of the, of, the, of the mind and whatever. And yeah, I went to work and I kind of enjoyed it. And I was driving a forklift truck and enjoying the undulating suede nature of the floor and knocked a massive rack of storage thing over and got sacked. So I, that was probably the last job I ever had, to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. When you're seeing people who have come out of these um, sort of damage with drugs, are you seeing sort of mostly hallucinogenic people or, you know, people who've taken no. hallucinogenic or the other ones? And what different flavours are there yeah. between the different drugs? And what are some of the, the, the sort of general ways that you bring people back from these, these terrible states that they've got into? I think that, you know, if, you, if you're talking about stimulants 
like uh, speed, cocaine, those sort of things. Um, they, they have quite a strong effect on the personality, ego, you know? And um, I think that people can, they, they can end up either becoming um, very egocentric um, in a way that is uncomfortable for themselves, or it can go the other way, they lose, they lose a sense of themselves, you know, they lose part of their, their identity, they feel. Um, and one of, the, one of the things also is that they, they, they have difficulty um, managing stress, anxiety situations, because they, they've had a stimulant, they stimulate in, you know, themselves. And um, in a way, trying to remove their inhibitions with things, you know, so that they can just think they can be themselves, you know. And that, that's, that's one of the things with stimulants is that it does have an effect on um, anxiety levels. Um, and that, that's a difficult one for people because they can't manage panic situations very well, get panicky. Um, the more mind expansion ones, they, they tend to, people tend to have difficulty just um, with oversensitivity being oversensitive to others, um, being unable to sleep sometimes, mind won't switch off, you know, having those flashback things, a reality being slightly distorted. Um, and um, I think um, some of them also have a, a, a big effect on, on the heart center, you know, so that people then have difficulty relating on, on certain levels with people. Um, and also talking about re relating, I think most of them have an effect on the, the what you term the sacral uh, or um, sacral center, which strongly relates to relationship with 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 the world, with people, with money, with whatever you know. So there's lots of different ways that drugs affect the subtle energies, um, but I think that you know there are there are very simple techniques that can be used to um, start to, you know, regain some sense of self. Very simple things like just grounding, being grounded, simple energy techniques for grounding, simple energy techniques for strengthening the, what's termed the energy field around people. Um, and some flower remedies that help, uh, I mean, for anyone who's had an experience with drug use, uh, there's, there's certain flower remedies which really help well. Uh, one is Star Bethlehem, which is like a repair, a healer of the energy field, and also helps with um, where people have had shock, you know, shock to the system. So there's, there's a number of different techniques you can use. I mean, I think that um, talking about stress, um, you know, um, it's one of the ways people deal with stress these days, you know. So if they're in a st stress and anxiety states, rather than look at how to manage that, you know, you put your mind somewhere else, you out of your mind, I get out of my mind. So I'll take something and I get away from my, my daily problems, my issues that are there. So I'll put my mind here. But of course, when you 
come back, your the daily life is still there, but your ability is slightly altered. How are you going to deal with them? So there's this disconnect, which people find difficult difficulty with. I think, you know. So there are simple techniques; they're not difficult to learn. Cool. Um, so what what are you finding that the sort of flavors of what might go wrong when people have been on sort of opioids and sort of heroin right. and stuff? That that's um, I think opioids are really a difficult place to be with. Um, I think people um, they I think it really affects um, the unconscious deeply, really deeply, and it breaks down. Um, uh personality quite quickly i think there's a uh there's a um there's a sense of um numbness you know and i think the people who, who are um are attracted to that um there is a definite um sense of self-medication you know, there's this trauma, real deep trauma that's happened to people. And, you know, taking um, those types of drugs, they, they, um, they, they anesthetize you to, you know, that's how you, that's how you cope with the pain. And I think that's when people have pain sitting in the background, most of the time, most of the time. And they're unable to function because of it. And, um, because I mean, I mean, I hopefully it'll change, but and it is changing. The people can be more open about, you know, people go through stuff. You know, I who who in this in this world go doesn't go through some difficult issue. It's the earth is a place of difficult issues, huh? so it's not uncommon. Everyone is going through it, but I think um, if it was more of an open debate and open discussion, um, people would, you know, see that th th there's another solution to it, you know? But I think when people get onto opioids, um, they, they are difficult things to, to stop because the, 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 um, the effect is so appropriate to their, their pain. Yeah, that's a difficult thing, uh, you know, because when you see, when you really seriously start to get into looking at um, difficult experiences that you may have had, unless you get a really good um, therapist or guide through it, it it's, and, you know, it's okay, you know, to feel rage or it's okay to feel um hurt it's okay to cry it's okay to you know shout your head off and get these feelings out yeah i think that um i think that we we too i mean maybe it's a british thing we're too reserved yeah that's that reservation of like oh you know are you okay oh yeah i'm good my life is really shit at the moment but i'm good yeah it's that thing of Rather than saying, no, well, actually, no, I'm not. I don't feel that good at the moment, you know. Um, and it's, I suppose it's, again, acknowledging those, those difficult feelings. But I think people who do, to, do take um, 
opioids, um, uh, that does have quite a profound effect on, on energies. I'm not saying it's not reversible, it is. You know, people can't do it. And people do do it. You know? But it's like this thing, isn't it? You talk about disease. Uh, I always find that, and I've got the greatest respect, don't get me wrong, for Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. I think it has its place. Where you go and you say, um, I'm, uh, you know, an alcoholic. But there comes a point where you can say to yourself, do you know what? I can't be free of this pattern. Yeah. I don't have to be... Um, this for the rest of my life. I don't have to be, you know, free of, of, you know, being free from alcohol if that's that's the issue. But I don't have to be, you know, the alcoholic for the rest of my life, but not drink. There can be a point where you go, if you start to work on things, what's the cause to it? Find the cause, start to address it, start to shift through it, understand it, and you move, you move into a place of empowerment. Yeah? And then you say, actually, I'm, I'm really, if I think about myself, I'm not those patterns that have been imprinted on me. I'm not those experiences. I'm something beyond that. And I think that when, when you talk about, especially addiction and uh, uses of drugs to alter consciousness, if you can move through that place and you know, get an awareness that, uh, of who you are on a deeper level. That, that is, you can move into a place where you, you leave those patterns behind, you know. You're free of them. You know, free, free from being the addict, free from being the, you know, the alcoholic, free from being that. That, that's a, that exists, you know, definitely. Um, but, it, you know, it's not going to happen like that. You have to step onto the road and say, okay, this is going to be tricky, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, not so much enjoy it. There'd be times when you enjoy it, times it would be difficult, but you make a decision to, I'm going to step onto this road and I'm going to, I'm going to walk it. So I'm going to walk my, my path and um, whatever. Um, and then once you get to a point and somebody you know, is um, confronting you about it, you can stand in your truth, can't you? You can say, look, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there, I've done it. Um, and okay, I listen to your opinion on it and that's your path. Um, but I'm coming from a point of experience, you know? And uh, I think that I mean, uh, how many people now in, in the world are, you know, taking substances? It's massive, you know. And then you have to say, well, what, what is that? What is it? Is it all to do with trauma? Is it all to do with trauma? Is it all to do with life experiences? You know, is it to do with, you know, people look at the world and go, oh, my God, what horrible world we live in. Why, why is it like this? I don't, I can't live in this world, you know. So, you know, I don't think it's just a one-pronged sort of, Oh, I've had trauma, and uh, there's other things. You know, people have an interest. What, what it, you know, this is this is this it? Is this just the reality that I live in? There must be more to this, and they 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 have a, an interest in it, but because they don't have a um, a point of entry that is more 
structured and gradual and just slow. They, they try and find ways of expanding it quickly, you know, and just going for it. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, life is a journey, isn't it? I mean, that's a, a corny thing to say, and lots of people use it, you know, but why don't rush it, you know? And I, I, I don't know, I mean, some people listen to us might not, um, be into the idea that we have multiple lifetimes you know that we reincarnate um, personally i i can't i can't doubt that because it makes so so much sense that you know you have an earthly life you reincarnate to learn certain lessons once you've learned everything for what you can in this sphere there's no point in coming back here you've learned it once you've imparted to the rest of humanity to help them evolve then there's no point in being here, you know. But it, <clears throat> this idea that you have to rush everything into one lifetime, um, uh, I, I don't see the value of that, you know. I need to buy this, I need to get this, I need to do this, I need to do There's this big rush to experience everything. Whereas if it's like, hang on a second, I've been here before, let me take a step back. What, what am I really here for this time? What, how much meaning can I create this time around? Um, so that, um, you know, you, you feel happier about yourself. You know? Once you've got meaning, why am I here? How can I create a life that makes me feel happy and other people, you know? Then you don't really need a lot, you know? We don't, we don't you know, it's just the illusion that we need a lot. You know? Absolutely. And there's a there's a great expression, isn't there, that a man who chases two rabbits catches neither of them. You know, just yeah, it's like that Aesop's fable. Yeah. You know, the just, dog with the bone. No, Aesop's fable. Oh yeah. The dog with the bone and he looks into the into a pool and he sees the dog with a bone. He thinks, Oh, I want that bone. Nice. So he opens his mouth again, he thinks it's his bone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, the, you know what what you said about the the, the opioids. It's 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 interesting. I, I I when I was back in the day when I was experimenting with all this stuff, I was much more into sort of opening the mind. I was a kind of a happy soul around the time. I didn't really want to cover anything up, but mm -hmm. I did try it. I remember living briefly in a in a sort of squat in King's Cross in London with a bunch of smack addicts and mm -hmm. you know in the block. And I, and I thought, well, I better try it once. And I did, and I, and I remember throwing up down this dirty toilet, just kneeling in front of it and thinking, I have never felt so good in my whole life. Mm. And I thought, that's dodgy, you know? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't want anything more to do with that, and I never did it again. <clears throat> and the same thing with cocaine and, and, and speed, I tried it a bit, and, mm. you know, I used to sell opium and cocaine hot knives at Stonehenge Festival, you know, for 50p a hit, and they were quite fun when you sort of balanced it with the opium, but. It wasn't it wasn't really for me, but I I um wonder if I can also ask you about about cannabis. I mean, what what are your views on this? I've had wonderful times with it when I was younger. I still once in a blue moon, I'll have it now. Um, but in the short time after the sort of damage I did with the with the acid, it would also bring out real hallucinogenic um, experiences, whereas it didn't before. It was just kind of chilled. But after that, I seemed to be more sensitive to it. And what do you think about cannabis healing 
or not, or or do the benefits outweigh the 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 downsides? Or what are, what are you seeing of people who get too much into that? I think it's um, it's one of those. Um, see, I, I see it slightly different to other things. Um, it's like <clears throat> if you, it's you know if you get, it's a a herb. Uh, it's from nature. Um, I think the difficulty is is that um, um, you know natural strains are taken and changed, and I think that's that's an issue uh, because it creates um, varieties that otherwise wouldn't naturally occur. Um, and I think that that's. Um, I mean, if I if I was if I was a um, a shaman, I'm not. If I was a shaman that, that worked with something like that, I'd I'd find that quite um, offensive to the sacredness of the plant, you know, that, that it's been taken and distorted, you know. I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, sometimes when you, you have a little bit and, and, and it just completely blows your head off and it's just the wrong buzz, nothing like you remember in your youth, you know, back in the day during the war when Gange was Gange and it isn't anymore, is it? There's some these awful strains and I, I don't know. I don't, that's mainly why I, I don't really enjoy it so much anymore. The, it, it's something wrong with it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think that... Um, that's you know that's probably been a more accepted um, uh, substance because um, it's been around a long time. I mean, lots of countries have decriminalized it, um, and um, it's thought of as a, a medicinal um, drug, you know. But I think that um, now I'll try to be a little bit more esoteric here, right? I think that if you're if you're looking to alter your awareness um, by external means, um, the effect of that, the positive effects already exist within you. You just haven't looked for it internally, you know. And um, so uh, let's give an example. Somebody might do that because it chills them out. They're stressed, yeah. So they do that, chills them out at the end of the day. They go to bed, wake up, and their job's still stressful. It's difficult. They've situation is still difficult and the the habit becomes the focus of coping right so they continue and then the positive effects that they feel start to change you know becomes less easy to cope um but because they're in a, an altered mind state the structured thought around it is less there things start to fall apart slightly you know it's like that thing when musicians they you know you being a musician they are oh, yeah i'm really creative you know and what you're creating is not very good really 
but you just think it is because your mind is in a different place. Don't get me wrong, I think some, some people, musicians, have come out with amazing you know, music from being in an altered state. I think that has happened, you know. But I think with, <clears throat> with so it's coming back if you're using it for something like stress, you could use a, a different approach, you know, which is, okay, how do I deal with stress? What's stressing me? How do I change my internal landscape? You go, you go get Gareth's um, relaxation download. I just got right. it this morning. Very cool. <laughs> but it's, it's just things like that. You know, it's just because, um, you know what? Um, like yourself, I went through a period of trying pretty much everything, right? And um, if I knew now what, you know, if I knew then what I knew now, I, I would choose a different path because I, I, I honestly feel like I've lost a number of years, you know? And if, if, if I was doing something that I was passionate about then, like I am now, you know, I would go, do you know what? If I knew I'd be passionate about this and then I, I wouldn't do it. But, you know, life is life, isn't it? You live it, things happen. And as I was saying earlier, it's, that has happened for a reason. You know, I've managed to turn it around and make meaning of it in the hope that, you know, some of the things that I struggled with um, initially, I don't struggle with anymore. So if I can impart that for, for people who are having problems like that, then, you know, it, it turns that negative experience into a positive one. You know? But, you know, there are people that don't, don't have that um, uh, fortune, I suppose. They go into it, they go into it, go into it, and it, it kills people, you know? And it's the same with um, uh, smoking that, you know? Um, uh, weed, we smoke it. Um, I think that people, um, they don't realize that it's changing brain chemistry as well and altering their energy field. And they link to certain things, especially some of these strains that are a lot more powerful, you know. Um, and um, there's lots of, lots of people seem to cope on it, um, whatever that means. Um, but there's lots of people that, you know, have not a good experience with it. You know? It's like you're saying, different individuals react differently. And I think that depends on, um, you know, the makeup of someone. Everyone's different, you know, and things affect people in different ways. But it's, you know, it's a bit of a Russian roulette thing, you know, experimenting, I think. Yeah. Especially now, because I, I think that, you know, um, there are, uh, I, I don't know, there are, there are people that, you know, um fuel um uh you know sort of the drug industry and there's there's a lot of um substances mixed in that shouldn't be there i suppose and um i think that's that's a that's a dangerous place you know but yeah i agree it's like anything what's the cause what is the cause why are people doing it 
you know what yeah. what's what what why do they need to put their mind somewhere else you know um, well disassociation with uh, with the world and 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 with their own lives which which brings me on to said something that I, i'd like to ask you really to yeah. i mean we could uh we could go on forever on this and i'm going to have to get you back for another episode because there's a million other things but something i'd like to kind of wrap up with is is the importance of your life path and discovering it i remember in 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 my time early times of healing around 2010 and listening to all these people all sorts of stuff and, and there was a one sort of video or podcast or something i can't, can't remember and there was a load of sort of health experts all sitting around a table and they got asked this question what do you think is the most important thing about health you know and they were saying things like oh you know diet or drink a load of distilled water or something yeah, they were all coming up with these single things and one guy sitting there who i was kind of following at the time who i now think has got a hell of a lot of things wrong but i i think he and he's also a terrible drummer but he, but he was sitting there and he came up with this beautiful thing where he just said, finding your life path, you know, really, truly knowing what you're here for. And it was David Avocado Wolf. And um, I, anyone who's got Avocado as a middle name, it's a bit, 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 bit bizarre, isn't it? You know, but he's quite a character. But I think he was spot on with that one. I, come to, I came to understand it and I've come to understand it in, in, in the years since because I love what I do. I play drums. I have a great family who's woken up to all the nonsense that's going on. So we all get on beautifully. Um, I, I'm part of all, you know, the Human Unleashed and Red Pill team. And, and, and we just get on so well. And doing that work is fantastic and working with people. So <clears throat> I found it finally late in life. And, and, and I feel so much more fulfilled for, uh, from it. But I noticed on one of your websites, so you're doing work with people with this, with their businesses and trying to get this sorted and, and how to get them sort of onto that life path and get all that kind of thing working better. Can you say a little bit about your work with that? Because I think that's so important. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, can, uh, I can relate to that personally. So um, as I say in my bio, you know, I, I'm a practicing dentist and I've been for 30 years. and. Um, I remember, um, I think it was around 30. And I think this is another really interesting um, uh, point that um, maybe as people we could take on is that there's certain periods of life that changes happen, you know? So, and mostly for everyone. Um, so around the 30s, 40s, 50s, people go through changes and they need to change something. And because there's no point in just being the same all the time, it just, it doesn't make sense, you know, um, because we, we're creative beings, we have to create, and you can't just keep creating the same thing, you know, it does, doesn't make sense. Once you create, it's created. Okay, you could create variations on it, but <clears throat> I think that um, a deeper part of us wants to create more meaningful, more expansive more um integrated ways of um you know shaping our world we we're shaping our world right and um so i i um talking about life path i was you know practicing dentistry and um and i just thought i'm gonna i i, I can't do this anymore i've got to take some time out stressful you know so I went on the dole um, 
I got back into to creating music, right? I, I'd sort of given that up slightly. I used to play guitar, a bit of piano. And a, and a friend, friend of mine said, oh, you know, you, you've got a nice voice. She said, you've got a nice voice. I said, have I? So I, I wrote a tune and she said, that's really nice, you know? And um, uh, so I, I just, um, I thought, okay, maybe I, could, maybe I could be a musician, right? So I thought, I had all these ideas. Maybe I could be a musician. And I was getting into the healing side of things. Maybe I could just be this, be that. And in the meantime, I thought, well, I've got to have something to um, sustain me financially, you know, uh, to, to pay for food and to do this and to do that. So I thought, I can't stay on, on the dole. It was called dole then, yeah? I can't stay on the dole or, or, you know, forever. So I went to the job centre. And I said, oh, I'm, you know, I need to find work. And um, she said, what qualifications do you, you have? I said, I've got three A-levels, 11 O-levels, and a degree in the industry. <laughs> and she said, you're a bit overqualified to be here, she said. <laughs> and I said, look, I'll, I'll just take anything. I'll take anything. So I, I, I did some gardening. Um, I did some labour stuff, right? And after a while, I just thought, oh, my God, this is just ridiculous, you know. And it, it was this thought of it either has to be this or that, right? So I thought, okay, well, maybe if I work three days a week in dentistry and then I explore what I'm doing the other, t the other time, maybe that's a, a payoff that I can live with, right? So. And of course, I got into this, the stress side of things to look at my stress patterns because that's what was preventing me from enjoying what I was doing. So I continued and, and have done, you know, for 25 years later. And so I've got that balance of, okay, I've got that. And then I've got this, which is another side to me, you know. So I think that finding your path um, is um it's important to find you know what you're comfortable with i think within within any path you have there's always some level of mundanity right we live in a mundane world there's mundanity to it and you just think oh well i've got to pay bills i've got to do this i've got to do that i've got to go shop for food i've got to you know I've got to do this got to do this and but there's no reason why you, you you can't say, okay, well, I've got the foundational stuff there. What do I bring into all this to, to make me tick, you know? And um, I mean, I, I don't believe in coincidence, right? So, I mean, you talk about Jeremy, I met Jeremy um, around the same time when I was that, in that period of time. And I remember I, I, I actually embarked on the first year of the nutrition course that was being run by the college that he was associated with. So I did this massive detox as well, right? Which was just ridiculous, right? No processed things, water, short grain brown rice, and you know, it was veg based to be honest, most of it, right? And then I remember coming to a year later and saying to myself, this is just, this is too stressful. I can't keep this diet up no longer. 
so I just thought, what makes me comfortable? What's comfortable for me, you know? But um, I think that, you know, a life path is, um, you start to create your own reality. What really makes me tick? Okay, I'd like to say, oh, I'd love to just do this all the time. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, I, I write to play music. Am I an amazing musician? Probably not, right? But the, the work that I do create, I love it. And I, I love sharing it with people, you know, when I, in a situation, if you're with a group of friends or something, it's great. So it's a part of me that I've brought into my life, you know? It doesn't have to be highly, you know, what is success? People say success is, oh, you're, you're out there, everyone knows. Success is, what does it do for you? Does it nurture something that creates a better life experience, you know? So all these things start to come into my little path, my life's path. But then you draw people into it. You meet different people. You know, it's like I remember when I wanted to learn about subtle energy work. You know, I, <clears throat> I just put a thought out. I asked the universe, I said, look, please send me a teacher. You know, within two weeks, I found someone. Right. So it's you, you, you're entering into the unknown. And you have to trust in the unknown a little bit more, you know. And the unknown is is an, is is not a controlled place, so you have to throw yourself into to, you know, what is that thing that's preventing me from doing this? It's a fear. You say, okay, how do I, how do I sort of approach that fear s slowly? You know, some people do it like jump in baptism of fire, don't they? And they go, yeah, found it, brilliant. You know, I'm not one of those, I'm, I'm like a, a edge. Okay, let's do this, let's do that. I'm a plodder, plods, so people are different. I'm, no, I'm to totally the opposite, jump yeah, straight yeah. in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like jump straight in. And people are different, but I think, you know, we have to find meaning why we're here, surely. I mean, if there's, if there's no meaning to it, then if, you, okay, I would say like this, if I can't find meaning to my own life and think my own thoughts, yeah, about what direction I should be going in, whose thoughts am I thinking about what direction I should be going in? Am I thinking I should go in this direction because another person is telling me to go in this direction, society's driving me in this direction, the fear of, you know, not appearing a certain way. Is driving me in this direction so i think you know a life path is important to you, you know acknowledge that you do really deeply have your own thoughts about where your life should go and um i mean some of those thoughts can be absolute nonsense can't they i mean i've, I've had thoughts and i just think my god i used to think like that you know and some of them you just go no this has got a little bit more energy to it i, I need to explore this a bit more you know and see where it takes me and open yourself up to new experience, you know? And I think with, with regards to professionals, people who are particularly highly trained, what I found is that, because they're so specifically trained, um, they can't think outside of that. You know, they can't go, oh, well, maybe I could be this, because it, in, a, in a way it's a, 
it's an ego come down yeah so if you get trained up so for example um as, as a dentist you know i'm i'm a dentist i'm trained up you know i'm a i'm i'm a god of the teeth right to say well i'm gonna drop that personality and be something more humble that's that's a, a personality shift that um, is can be quite difficult for people, I think, you know, because it, you know you get specifically trained in something, you be, you become it very much, and then trying to change your direction, um, but it can be done. I mean, you can do it. You can uh, you can do it like you jump in, go. You know what? Pfft, enough of that. I'm doing this. Go totally different direction and find it, or you get this. Okay, I'll take a step from this into to this because really ultimately you know it's good to be happy huh? to be happy about what you're doing and um what direction you're going in and i'm not saying you know life doesn't have difficult times it does you know it's you know life's hard um but uh if you if you've got a, a sense of self that's a bit more unshakable um you know you um so self-belief um it becomes a bit easier to, to go through those difficult times i think yeah, yeah and I, I i think you make a really good point there about about um you know just just being able to do something for full, fulfillment we're taught so much now that it's totally it's not it's it's invalid unless you're getting a load of money for it so people don't go into what they really love because they think, well, I'm not getting any money, but you can run that alongside it. And it, money has never been a, a focus for me. It, it is now, I'm learning my money lessons now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I remember years ago, it was like early nineties, you mentioned the, um, the, the, the dole. And I remember going into the dole once and I thought, well, I'll put them off for a bit. You know, it was a bit easier to get the dole without doing too much and applying for too many jobs. So I thought I'll go in there and I'll, I'll say, well, I'm a drummer. You know, I'll, 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 I want to draw a job in drumming. What have you got? And so I went in there and said, well, we don't have, we can't, we can't do that. You know, I said, well, it's a job. It's all I've really earned money at. I haven't earned much, but it's a job. Have you got anything? No. Well, if I came in as a plumber, would you, um, would you say that that's, uh, that's valid? Oh, yes. I say, well, you get enjoyment out of music. I think it's England's greatest export. And mm -hmm. I just heard something come on the speakers and I thought, Oh, this is interesting. This is really synchron synchronicity here. And, and she's saying, yeah, but music, you know. And I said, you hear this music playing on the speakers here? That's me on drums. <laughs> and she said, she suddenly brightened up because there was a friend of ours who was in the, who used to work in there. And, and they took this EP in of this band I was in, Acrobats and Sarah, and they used to play it a lot in the office. She goes, oh, I love this. We get this played a lot. And I said, oh, cool. And she goes, yeah, we still got no jobs for drummers. Though. <laughs> it, was a, it was a funny moment. But I mean, kind of, just to, to wind up now, to let everybody know where they can find you. And, and, and you've got these two websites, right? And what, what they're doing and how people can get more yeah, details I mean, I, about you. The, and and what come come to you for consults one on ones courses what 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 are you doing so I mean the, the uh, I've got two 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 websites and one is um, centered around subtle energy medicine so the the um, uh, the sort of non physical aspect of ourselves and that's um, energy medicine international 
com. And um, the most stress-based stuff were for people who were looking looking to, you know, change direction with regards to how they manage stress and how they cope with it. Is um, they can go and uh, find find me on mindies.com. Um, slightly different approach, but you know, um, I think that um, people will be drawn to different things. They usually are. You know. And uh, if people are interested, I mean, I, I am in May probably running um, a, an online um, three-part program with regards, you know, restoring some integrity to subtle energies. Uh, and that would be online, but I'll also do one in person um, in London, probably, um, in a centre near me, which is near Richmond. Um, slightly the experience of, of group work online and group work um, in person is is different you know they they have the pros and cons um, but I think it, the important thing for me would be is if people are interested in group work you know it gets people together they're like-minded yeah and you share experiences um, as well as learn some things and um, it just normalizes it you know and it gets people talking about um you know things that are uh, have happened you know it's not shoved away and it's trying to make sense of it trying to make turn it around so that you you can make sense of it um and then if people are interested in one-to-one -one, um i i work out of a, a center in uh east twickenham um, but I also do online consultations if people want to do that, you know, if they can't make that. Cool, that's brilliant. I, I know the area well. I grew up around there, Walton-on-Thames, Richmond, Kingston. Yeah, I know it well. So, honestly, Gareth, thank you so much. I really oh, enjoyed you, that. Phil. I've enjoyed it. It's good. I enjoyed that. And we'll, we'll, we'll have to get you back again. And thanks a lot. pleasure. All right. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Son of a lighthouse keeper Through cars and a wishing well Prayed for a love to call